tonight is? That's this old fart called Dad. Okay, Dad, you don't need to close to the microphone. I think <laughs> and together. That's why you call me the old fart. <laughs> well, that's right. That's why we are the two old farts. And generally, we are out and about. Right now, we're not out and about. We're at home doing this thing remotely just because it's kind of hard to get up with each other and, and do this kind of thing. I guess this whole idea started, what, right around Christmas time? Yep. Uh, just a little bit before Christmas. Yeah, when my oldest daughter Kaylee was in town and uh, the granddaughters. We were at one of their, we had a birthday party for the oldest. And I think it was there while we were bowling, we decided that we should try to share our shenanigans. Not just, you know, in the pictures that we would take on Instagram, but like make this like bigger, expand the audience. Yeah. Well, I know we got two people who are looking forward to this besides you and I. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, your Uncle Leonard and your Aunt Carolyn. All right. I, I, know, I know Kaylee is too. If your Uncle Leonard gives a thumb up, we'll be all right. All right. Maybe you could get back a little bit from that microphone. I don't want you blowing us out here. <laughs> so you just like your mom. You complain when I talk too much, and when I don't talk enough, you complain. Well, you know. I learned it from you. <laughs> oh, man. So also around that same time, uh, on Christmas Day, when we all decided to get together, we went to uh, one of my favorite places to go in town, uh, Matt Pecker Brewery. Yep. That was a good afternoon. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Um, you and I first went there, oh my gosh, what, about four years ago now? Yeah, about four years ago. Yep, when Mackenzie, I think, was a freshman in high school, or maybe a sophomore, yeah. they had gone to practice for state in uh, theater. And so all of the uh, theater productions had to go in order or whatever, and Brenda stayed with Mackenzie. And then you and I took off and went to Mad Pecker for some of their delicious homemade beer. Yep. Uh, they're really good. I always enjoy when we have a time to go there. Oh, I do too. And it's so close to your house. It's really convenient. Yeah, your sister went over there with her friends from school uh, just right at Christmas time, a little bit before Christmas. Boy, they had a good time. Yeah, you really have a good time. The food there is really incredible as well. Yeah, surprisingly, usually when you go to a place, they're known for one thing and the food or something else, uh, but that they have both there. Yeah, they do. They really do a great job on their beer and their food. And the hospitality is awesome. I, I, we haven't had anybody that wasn't really super nice. No, not at all. Every, every time I've been there. So I first learned of them probably around the same time that you and I had gone, it was a little bit before. It was at a uh, 
a 5k run that I did in Lotus. It was called the beer run. And at the end of the run, they would have a bunch of local, local to San Antonio, local to Texas breweries, and they would bring out their samples and everybody would vote on which one would that they thought was the best. And, uh, I voted for them because I thought they were the best. And if I remember right, I think they did win that year. I think it was their amber beer. Let me pull up their website and see what beers that they have. Okay. So when uh, you go to, uh, excuse me, Matt Pecker, what do you like to eat and drink? I'm pretty simple. Just give me some French fries and a hamburger. <laughs> no, I actually, uh, all of their appetizers was pretty good. The cheese we had that last time, that was really good. I, I was surprised. Yeah, I, I like their fried mushrooms and their fried pickles. Yep, fried pickles are good. The mushrooms, uh... Yeah, I know. You don't... I should I should let the the audience, all, like, one or two of them know that you, you have a very limited diet. It's, like, beer, barbecue, chili, pizza, burgers... Hot dogs, hot dogs, sausage. Not a, not a lot on the vegetable. Definitely no fish. And no chicken. And no chicken. It, it, it's really sad. You're you're missing out on a lot of good stuff there. Well, that's a point of view. Uh, that's the truth. Eventually, <laughs> when we get more than just a few uh, listeners and, and viewers, maybe they can chime in and, and share. Yeah, they'll probably agree with me. Uh, probably not. If you ever lived on a farm and had an outhouse, you'd understand why somebody might not eat chicken. Why? Do the chickens come in the outhouse with you? No, they go behind it and peck your butt. Well, maybe your dad didn't build the outhouse right if they're picking on your butt because you should be sitting on something. Well, that's because it was open. Oh. Anyway, I got the uh, the website up there for uh, Matt Pecker Brewery. Looks like they've got three beers on tap right now. They're uh, Stout Called Quest, the Ripper, which is that American Amber Ale. I think that is what I had. And then their Bitter Soul ESB. Yeah, that's what they have on tap right now. They're, like I said, take a look at their menu. Wait a minute. Oops. I wonder why I can't see their food on their... I have to let them know that their food menu's down. So anyway, our first outing for our first episode, we, we were going to talk about Mad Pecker Brewing. They're located at 6025 Tesla Road, San Antonio, Texas, 78250. Be sure to give them a, a look and a taste. If you like. Can't go wrong. You will really enjoy your visit there. Definitely agree. Mad Pecker. Be sure to check out their beer. So that was pretty good. I wonder how long we've been recording. I can't really tell. Let me see. Okay. When I click over from chat to the studio, we've been like right at eight minutes. 
did you go over to the to the tab over there to the right? Right. Okay. Man, I tell you what, people are going to get a kick out of watching two old farts try to learn technology. <laughs> Especially the old fart. Exactly. The one who's deaf and gets too close to the microphone so he can hear himself. <laughs> and sometimes that doesn't work. No, but I don't know how, if I, if I had a dollar for every time I told you this, just because it's loud to you doesn't mean it's loud to us. <laughs> and man, you are about as deaf as a post. So tell me about this award you just got at work. Oh, it was uh, Category 3, Supervisor of the Quarter. Whoa. Where'd that feedback come from? So you won at the group level? Yes, I won at the squadron and at the group there at work. And so what's the next step? Well, the next step is uh, I compete for uh, the wing, Category 3, Supervisor of the Quarter. So how did all that come about? What you have to do to uh, be recognized for that? Uh, submit the award package. <laughs> I'm sure there's a little bit more to it than that. Well, I don't know how writing Air Force awards were when you were in, but they're very constrained. You have to have like an action, an impact, and a result, and you got to get it all in on this one line. You got to have a bunch of them. So yeah, it's... it's yeah, it has to be pretty concise. So that means you have to be doing something pretty damn good or you wouldn't be recognized or, or recommended. So I'm, I'm very proud of you, and so is your family. Oh, thank you. And uh, if I learned anything, especially from you, you know, the, the sun's got to shine on a dog's ass sometime. Yep, sooner or later, right? Sooner or later it does. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I posted on Facebook, and you sure got a lot of likes. So I, well, I thank you and I appreciate it, but I'm sure most people really could care less. You know, they're trying to get on with their life. But since we're doing shouts and brags, tell me about my sister. Tell me about the award that she got. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was selected second top, second, second year in a row for Teacher of the Year uh, at Luna Middle School. Uh, she works with uh, the students that have opportunities and uh, and uh, some disadvantages uh, and those type of things. And uh, she was selected by her peer group, which makes it even that much more special. But two years in a row for her at Luna Middle School. Well, she must be doing something right. Yeah, she she's doing that. She kind of takes after your mom, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think she's really found her calling when she went into teaching. She is absolutely one of the best teachers I've ever talked to or met. Yeah, talking to her, and one thing I've learned in life a long time ago, in fact, she taught me that. Uh, one is not to be a chauvinist, which I probably was when she was working with me. But when you see your two children grow up to be young adults who are very successful, it makes you really proud, and, and I'm proud of you and her. Because uh, you guys work hard, and uh, that's what life's all about. It is about working hard, and uh, fortunately for you and I, at the point that we've come to in our lives, 
and the fact that I'm thankful and blessed to live here in town so close to you and even Brenda's parents is that now that you're not working, we can go out and do things together. Yeah, that's that's been the highlight of my life since I retired. I really enjoy the time we have together that we didn't have that much time uh, before. Exactly, because you were working or I was working or I wasn't even here in the state or let alone be in the country. Oh, yeah. And, and, and what makes it even more special, I missed a lot of that with my family, with my mom and dad, because we're, we're traveling and, and not by there. And of course, it was different times back then. Uh, so it makes it even more special now when you spend time, especially with some of the things that we do and some of the places we go. By different back then, you meant poor when we didn't have money? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> I, I guess you could probably say that. Yeah, but some of the things that we do don't take a lot of money, like going out to these local breweries and distilleries. and. Yeah, that's what makes a mad pecker. You can go there and spend 15, 20 bucks and really have a great time, have some great food and great beer. I know with, with our whole family, with Tina, Mackenzie, Brenda, your mom, you and I, we spent less than 90 bucks and had a really great time and had plenty of food and had plenty of uh, beverages to uh, sip on. Yeah, there was what, seven of us there? Yep. Yeah, and, and quite a few beers. Yep. And quite a few beers. Yeah, and then uh, your sister, she was sampling uh, what some wine. I've forgotten now exactly what it was she was sampling. It was a cider, I think. Cider, yes. Yeah, that's the thing about Matt Pecker. They don't have just their own beers. They have other beer on tap as well. Yeah, it made it even more special to have the two granddaughters there, uh, your daughter and... Uh, and Tina's daughter, and see them interacting, and and seeing Mackenzie drink a little bit for the first time—that was pretty special. <laughs> oh man, we're gonna get it. We're gonna get us and everybody else in trouble over here. I'm telling you. <laughs> but uh, you know what, though, she's she's in her first year of college at Texas State, and she's just living her best life and and having a great time. She's doing great. I'm so proud of her. And what was that organization that she got invited to? Oh, uh, uh, selected for the Diamonds uh, Sweethearts, I think it is at Texas State. Okay. So, if you want to know more about it, look them up at uh, Diamond Sweethearts at Texas State University. Now we just got to get the football team to win it. Who are you telling? <laughs> I'm telling you, I think it's it's more than just hiring the right coach. And I saw a, uh, an article that it, they are expanding their uh, athletic facilities there, uh, especially the the weight training department for for the football players. Because right now, it, the size that it is, they're sharing it with a lot of the other athletic departments. Uh -huh. And I think when you have facilities that aren't as good as other schools, I think that takes a hit on recruiting. Oh, definitely. These uh, these young adults nowadays, when they want to go 
whatever sport it is, they, they need to have the training facilities or they're not going to improve to get better. So that doesn't enhance their opportunities for their life challenges. So it makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's not just the coaching. I think you, you got to have a great experience while you're there. I, I, you're right. And I, the coach they have now, I like him. I think he's a pretty good coach. It, it'll take a couple of years. And of course they're competing against UTSA who had a, Fabulous year this year. A monster and, uh, year. And then uh, I think it's going to be even better next year. And I, I think that coach identifies with the players who identify with him, much like the coach at UTSA. Uh, I, I think we'll see some some great football from both these programs. Yeah, what was the UTSA's coach named? Jeff Trainer? Trailer? Tra- trailer. Tra- trailer or trainer? Trainer, yeah. Let me look him up before I mispronounce his It's Trailer, T-R-A-Y-L-O-R, Jeff Trailer. Okay. Because he just kind of like came out of nowhere at UTSA, not this past football year, but the last year during uh, the COVID lockdown season. Was that, wasn't that his first year? Yeah, yeah. This is the second year he just finished, yeah. Well, he took him to seven to five his first year. Yep, that's that's pretty respectable. Where did he come from? Well, when you have a coach that identifies with the kids and they can identify with him, I, I think that's the basis of your whole program. Because now they're doing what you're asking them to do, and and you're recognizing what their talents are. And I, I, UTSA is going to be on the move, I believe, and especially them uh, upgrading their facilities even more and, and giving him that salary. And I was talking to uh, one of the guys at one of my VA appointments this past week. His son uh, plays on the team, number 29. His name is uh, Javier. I don't remember his last name. Okay. But he was telling me that when they offered him that salary increase, his first response was, no, unless you give a salary increase to all of my coaches. And that's exactly what they did. And the other part is the diversity. It is such a diverse coaching staff. And that's another part that I think that's probably helping them, that that diversity. Oh, absolutely. So just pulling up a little bit on uh, Jeff Trailer, I can see why UTSA has done so well under him. Is uh, He got his first start at the college level at UT on uh, special teams and I think the tight ends coach. And then he spent some time at SMU before he jumped into the SEC as an assistant over at Arkansas, where I think he was the assistant head coach and the running backs coach. Okay. So I think you're seeing a lot of that, especially on the offensive side on how prolific they were with the quarterback and especially the running back play this past year. Yes. So it's probably fair to let the audience know that we follow UTSA because my sister is an alumni from UTSA as well as my wife went to UTSA. And my first uh, and, and your granddaughter, my only niece. Exactly. So we have three UTSA alumni in the family. So that's if y'all were wondering why we know so much and care so much.
So we got some dead air. Come on, old man, talk. Well, just about talked out. Come on, man. We haven't hardly hit 20 minutes yet. <laughs> we hit, we just hit 20 minutes of chatting. Well, I guess we could talk about Georgia beating Alabama for the national championship, which was didn't come to a surprise to me, but I was – and I'm not disappointed since Georgia had such a good ball club this year. and, and uh, But you still want to win that next national championship. Oh, absolutely. But I think you and I going into this season didn't think we would go as far as we did. No, it didn't. And I, I think the loss to A&M turned that program around. Uh, I'm a big believer you can coach these – young adults all day long, but until they buy in and believe in your philosophy and uh, what you're trying to coach them and teach them about life, it doesn't matter. So it's psychological. They go into a game thinking, oh, we got this. And the next thing you know, the guys on the other side don't believe the same way and they got you. Now you're trying to play catch up. And sometimes it's hard to change that momentum. Oh, it is. But, uh, they just had a monster defense this year. They really, really did. And, and they, I guess, did not expect the offensive play in the SEC championship game. Because, I mean, frankly, I think we caught them flat-footed in that game. And, and, and that's a good point of what I'm talking about. I think Georgia went into that game, not the coaches, because they're trying to prepare them, get them ready mentally as well as physically. But you can't change their mentality. They have to. That's on them. That's on the players. And when they don't buy into it, they go in thinking, and they are good. Uh, it really showed in this last game. The next thing you know, there's momentum is swinging in Alabama's favor, and then it's hard to change it uh, because now you get kind of down a little bit. The coaches try to bring you up, but you have to change that mentality. And uh, once you get down, it's really hard, especially in the SEC. Uh, I think that was a big difference in that first ball game. Both both sides you got. Of course, it didn't hurt help in that last game when uh, Jamison Williams got hurt. To me, I, you could just see the momentum going down. It just the offense just kind of got flat. Uh, you know, other guys are trying to step up, but they haven't had that much game experience. That and the offensive uh, line, there were some injuries, some movement of, movement of players around. Yep. And so, you know, it's hard to throw that football when you got people in your face. Yep. Uh, but I, I got to give it to Georgia. They're one hell of a football team this year, and it's going to be interesting to see what next year brings. That's why I love college football. It's just any given Saturday afternoon, anybody can beat anyone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I watched some of that uh, FCS and uh, the championship with uh, Montana State and uh, boy, those, they just don't get enough recognition. And I was glad to see that uh, contrary to the conversations you and I had earlier with uh, the, the selection for the teams that we had in the, in the championship game, I, I think Cincinnati earned the opportunity to be there. Oh. Absolutely. I was totally impressed by uh, Cincinnati and, and their season kind of mirrored San, uh, San Antonio, sorry, Alabama's season where, you know, it seemed like they played to the level of competition that they were playing as well as because they were undefeated each week, 
every team that was playing them stepped up their game because they were trying to knock them off. Exactly. And I don't think Cincinnati got enough credit or gets enough credit because to go undefeated beginning to end is it is difficult. And as a matter of fact, they were the only team in that was undefeated in the uh, the CFP. Yep. Uh, I, I think it says a lot. The only thing that's troubling to me, and I understand why, and is this transfer portal. I, I just don't fully understand it. Uh, it's, I understand there may be some reasons for some players to transfer, but it seems like you look around, there's 15, 20, 30 players that are transferring. Well, you, you, you can't ex- not expect it. I mean, if they look at the depth chart and every year they sign more and more players, as well as, you know, the, the top players are leaving and going to the NFL or graduating. Mm-hmm. If their level of play hasn't gone up and it being reflected by the minutes played in the game, they've got to go where it's best for them. I, I, I get that. But take the, the quarterback in Oklahoma. Caleb, uh, it's pretty obvious to me that he would be the starting quarterback next year, but now he's transferring out to USC. So uh, those are the kind of things that I, I just don't really understand and, and I find concerning. you talking about the kid that replaced Spencer Rattler during the season? You're right. Well, he kind of had a setback. But then again, you know, the coach left Oklahoma – to USC, frankly, in my opinion, because he was scared to play SEC talent. But, you know, again, that's my I, opinion. I, I agree with that. And uh, I think Texas and Oklahoma are going to have a real surprise coming as far as the caliber of play, not just Alabama, but their whole, the, the whole uh, SEC. Even Vanderbilt, who typically doesn't do that well, always has good good ball players and play well. Oh, absolutely. But the problem with the Big 12 over the last few years is it's kind of mimicked the Pac-12 where they just throw the ball and last man to have the ball wins. They don't do a lot yes. of defense. And if you're going to play in the SEC week after week, you better get some defense. Yep. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I love the Raging Cajuns and uh, Billy Napier going to Florida – so that's going to make a huge impact, I think, there, too. is It's going to make that SEC uh, East Division uh, a little bit more challenging, I believe. Yeah, but down there in Florida, it's been a coaching carousel. It's been kind of a nightmare down there. But uh, I'm, just, I'm waiting for the uh, softball season to begin now to see what uh, – well, it turns out, see how Alabama softball teams does and uh, some of the other teams. I need to check up and see how Alabama's doing at basketball this season. Uh, they're, I want to say, like 15 and 6 or something like that. I'm not quite sure exactly. I know they won last night, and that's the three in a row that's, that they've won with the SEC that uh, they beat LSU last night, and and that's a good example. I think another example of 
of the mentality of players. They were down 14 points. Uh, they came back, at, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they were down twice. They came back uh, 14 points to win. Okay. You know, sports is like anything in life. You just you have to be aware of what's going on, what your surroundings are, and you have to plan. If you don't plan and look ahead and ready for tomorrow, Green Bay last night got beat. Uh, uh, by my Niners, I believe that was. Uh, yep. So that means your Aunt Birdie is down smiling on his side today with her 49ers. But uh, Green Bay should have won that ball game. Uh, when you have a block punt and a block field goal, and then you have one to run back for a touchdown. And to me, it was because of the position. I, I didn't think the punters was – I thought they were a little bit too close. They, they weren't that back far enough. You can see later in the game when they punted again, they were a little bit further back. But uh, then when you only have 10 players on the field uh, – on a field on a field goal attempt that's blocked, uh, that that uh, falls on the players as well as the coaches. Kind of like uh, Dallas with 14 seconds left on the clock. Absolutely. Let's run, let's not run the ball. What, not knowing what you're supposed to be doing, uh, and when you have players that are making the money they're playing and been around as long as they have, they should know the rules as well as the coaches and the coaches should be stepping in too. Uh, but it goes back to attitude and mentality. That it does. Well, we should try not to stay too focused on college sports. Like I mentioned to you, because like I said, if we are the two old farts out and about, we, we haven't been out and about to uh, an athletic event in a long time, especially an SEC event. Yeah, we got some games coming up we're going we'll to be able to make to this year. So We should try to look into getting tickets to the Alabama uh, Longhorn game this year. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be the uh, – it's going to be the second game. Or the, yeah, the second game of the season for us. I think so. This is the – I can't remember the last time Alabama had played a home in an away game. I think last time was Penn State, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, we because Saban usually he does a one and done, and it's almost always on a neutral field. Uh, let me see here, looking up on the interwebs. Yeah, somebody posted the other day on Facebook to talk about Bear Bryant, the, their favorite coach, and uh, yeah, he's mine too, followed by Gene Stallings. I love that guy. I love A&M and uh, all the uh, connections between uh, A&M and Alabama. Then Nick Saban is my third favorite. But I'm going to shock you when I tell you who my fifth favorite is. Bo Schembechler. Oh, God. Michigan State. I can I can see that. Michigan State, They yeah. back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, they, they were – they were a good team, a good ball club. 
Yeah, and what you know, what was really good about that area, coaches talked to each other, I think probably more than, at least it seems like more, and they shared players, with, especially at Verbont and some of the things that he did with Shim Buckley and some of those guys. I think you were right. It is the second week, September 10th, Alabama at Texas. Yeah. I bet your tickets are going to be expensive. That's all right. You're rich, so we can go. Yeah, you're, you're the retiree. You're the rich one. I'm still working. <laughs> I still got to work to live. Yeah, you need to call your mom and start telling her and so I can get on her good graces between now and then. Oh, man. Looking at uh, close to 50-yard line seats, about $1,600 right now off of uh, StubHub. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you're going into a great venue. and uh... If you want upper deck, like upper, upper, upper on the visitor side, you're looking at. That you got to take binoculars so you can see. Right, you're looking about $300. Yeah. Ooh, man, if you want to sit in the Longhorn Lounge, it's looking like $1,200. That'd be pretty cool going with my Alabama shirt and hat on and, and sitting over there in the uh, Longhorn. Hey, if you want to sit in the touchdown club, it'll be about $3,000. <laughs> hey, maybe if we could get a, you know, a, a few thousand million listeners, maybe they could all chip in, you know, a little bit. Absolutely. Chip in a couple of bucks, right? Chip in, yeah. And send the, old, send the two old farts off on a trip where they could have some fun. Yeah, so spread the word far and wide. So we can start collecting some donations, maybe make some ad advertising revenue, and we can start affording to go to some of these places. Absolutely. So speaking of, since we are the two old farts and we are out and about, where do you want to go next and what do you want to do? Because it's still January, going to be February coming up, Super Bowl's coming up. Are there some breweries or distilleries or restaurants here in the area that you want to go check out? Uh, we need to get back out to, uh, Helotus. I always enjoy when we go out here. Uh, I think there's a couple people come out. I, I can't remember offhand, but I think we got some tickets to go see, uh, someone there here pretty soon. Then, uh, well, I know I got tickets for you and mom and myself to go see Johnny Mathis later this year at the Tobin Center. Yeah. And... I think you're right. I think I do have tickets for floors. I just can't remember what, because, you know, I go to a lot of concerts. Like, the yeah. first week of February, there's two of them back-to-back in the first week of February that I want to go see. And, so, and who are you going to go see? Well, I'm going to tell you the same way I told people at work, because they're always like, hey, who are you going to go see this week, you know? And I'm like, why do you ask? You don't know who they are. And if I tell you, <laughs> you're going to be like, I've never heard of them. But yet, so... To satisfy you and all of my friends at work who've always like, who are you going to go see? So uh, February 1st, I'm going to go see headliner is obituary with municipal waste and enforced and gate creeper. So there's going to be four bands on that bill. So it's probably going to be uh, an all night affair. So you're going to be jumping off the stage again? Uh, no, I'm getting a little too old for that. <laughs> this will be like my third or fourth time seeing obituary. They get thrown on a lot of band uh, tours. Uh, uh -huh. They've been around a long time. They're from Florida. You should check them out. Um, and that was pretty sad. Go ahead. 
pretty sad about Meatloaf passing away. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that Bad Out of Hell yeah. album, I mean, that was that was a game changer back in 1977. Yeah. But you didn't listen to that kind of music. You were still listening to that shit kicker country music. Hey, that's what it's all about. I know. I like that stuff too little, now. Little Merle Haggard, little Waylon, little Willie. Yeah, man. I, I, we've seen a couple of those guys. Then throw in a little Webb Pierce and a little Farron Young. Yeah, that was a little before my time. <laughs> but the band that I'm looking forward to on that bill with Obituary is Municipal Waste. They're kind of like a, a thrash metal meets uh, kind of a punk kind of a thing that I'm really into right now. And then the next uh-huh. night is uh, Tool. They've been around a long time. They came to town about a year and a half ago, and I was unable to get tickets. And what tickets I could get were so far up in the nosebleed at the AT&T Center, I was just not going to go. But I got better seats. So on the 1st and 2nd of February, back-to-back, I got concert. Um, another band, or it's a guy, but he has a band, and he's playing at Floors on February 11th on a Friday night. It's Austin Mead. Hmm. Austin Mead. You saw him okay. with uh, opening up for Stoney LaRue a couple of years ago right? at Floors. So, hey, if you want to go, we'll go check out Austin. He's going to be headlining. Sounds good. Speaking of Austin Mead, a few years ago when I had gone to see Iron Maiden here in San Antonio, just another guy, you know, looking about my age, we just kind of struck up a conversation and started talking. And he mentioned he had a son that, you know, played music. And I asked him, you know, where and what kind. And I said, really? I said, I listened to that. And I've been to those venues. And I said, what's his name? He goes, Austin Mead. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Out of all of the places, you know, because I when I first saw Austin Mead opening up for Stone Age LaRue, I was just blown away, man. Had to go buy the merch, buy the records. And then to turn around at an Iron Maiden concert here in San Antonio, like 15,000 people, I had to run into his dad. And then he comes walking up. I was like, oh, my God, this is like fate. It was It's so crazy. Yeah. Those, those are pretty neat times. And those are memories that last with you forever. Exactly. Oh, I know who it is we're going to see. It's in March, Dad. We're going to go see Blackberry Smoke. On yes, Blackberry Smoke. March 19th. Yeah. Do you know what is special about March 19th? Uh, no. no. Well, two things. One is Randy Rhodes died on March 19th, 1982. So that will be 40 years ago that March 19th that Randy Rhodes passed away in that airplane crash. If you're like, it was Randy Rhodes. He played guitar for Ozzy. See, I know you know who Ozzy is. <laughs> yeah. Also, another important thing in my life happened on March 19th, and it happened in 1986. Can you figure out what it was? You probably got married. No. This was before I got married. I joined the Army, Dad. Okay. That was the day that uh, your sister kicked all your stuff out and took your room over? Yes, but not until they had stripped everything off the walls and aired it out for a few days. And then I think I'll painted the walls because I think mom and Tina said that the room smelled like uh, tennis shoes and, yep. and salsa. <laughs> and something else. <laughs> but yeah, March, there's a, there's a lot of concerts coming up in March that I want to see. Uh, one is a local band out of Austin that I really, really like. They're like, kind of like a doom sludgy kind of a black Sabbathy thing called the well. And then um, that's on, March 13th, and then on the 19th, like I said, is Blackberry Smoke. <laughs> then the next week, 
got Judas Priest, their 50th anniversary tour, which oh, yeah, wow. should have happened two years ago. Well, the first time it got recant, it got scheduled, rescheduled because of COVID. Then they were supposed to have been here last year in like September, October, but uh, their guitarist, Richie Faulkner, this is no lie, Dad, his aorta ruptured on stage while he was doing oh, a guitar wow. solo. It literally ruptured, and it's on film. Somebody, somebody got it on video, and he finished the solo. And then, they, if he hadn't been as close as he was to some major um, heart hospital, he he would have died. And he's in his forties; he's a young man. Oh, speaking of Meatloaf, he's married to Meatloaf's daughter. Oh wow, that's interesting. It, it, I'm telling you, it's a small world, man. It really is. So, how did Meatloaf get his name? It's so. I had just read up on it the day that he died. It it came from a nickname he got in in high school playing football because he, he was a big guy. And, so they called him Meatloaf. Yeah, because I I had read another one said to talk about how big he was and he looked like a like a Meatloaf. I take that back. It's not Meatloaf's daughter. It's the guitarist from Doc and George Lynch. Meatloaf's daughter, I think, is married to Scott Ian of Anthrax. I think that's who he's married to. Mm. See what happens when you get old? You can't remember crap or you misremember crap. And I, and I'm friend of, and mom and Tina will definitely agree that I misremember a lot of crap. Yeah. Yeah, one good thing about March weather gets nicer, where you can start going to some of these venues, and yeah, we we got to get back to the Mad Pecker too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Scott Ian of Anthrax is married to Pearl Aday, A D A Y, the adopted daughter of uh, singer Meatloaf. Okay. So anyway, so the Well, Blackberry Smoke, Judas Priest, and then to end the month is uh, a band called Ministry. Corrosion of Conformity, and the Meldens. So two out of those three bands are like my all-time faves. Corrosion of Conformity and the Meldens. Ministry, yeah, they're headlined, but they're okay. I like them, but I like Corrosion of Conformity and the Meldens much, much more. Okay. So that's that's what's coming up uh, concert-wise for you and for me. And... So what's Flora's got on the on their agenda in the next few months? Okay, that's that's another great place. I always enjoy our time go to Flora's. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Randall King, Brendan, I've seen him. He's coming at the end of the month, the 29th. Uh, what else? Uh, Austin Mead, a uh, young up and comer named John Wolf in February. Uh, Jason Bolin and the Stragglers. I'd like to go see them. They're yeah, we need to go see them. Saturday, February 26th. Great band. Yeah. Uh, a guy that you've seen open up for some of the, some of the bands is uh, Shiny Ribs. He's playing uh, March 5th. Okay. Uh, Mark Chestnut, March 18th. Oh, good. Uh, no, Dad, you remember last time we saw Mark Chestnut and how he was all drunk and sloppy and singing like crap? That's what that's what makes it fun. That's what makes the memories. He's out enjoying himself as much as we're enjoying seeing him do whatever it is he does. That's true, but it's the night before uh, Blackberry Smoke, so 
Oh, yeah. So we got that on Saturday, so I'll save my energy for that. <laughs> uh, Randy Rogers Band is playing a week later. Uh, Aaron Lewis, he's playing an acoustic set at Floors. Wow. Both, both those guys are really good. Yeah, I was hoping he would be not doing an acoustic set, but a, a regular set. And if he does that, then I'll definitely get his tickets to go see Aaron Lewis. I yeah. think you'd like him. Remy, stop. All right, Remy, you're on your first podcast. Say hi. Hello, Remy. Yeah, she's over here whining at my feet. <laughs> all right, let me see. Probably all the good seats are taken up for. Yeah. Yep, no VIP terrorist seats. Not terrorist. Terrorist. Yeah, all the VIP porch seats are gone. So let's see what else. Aaron Lewis, Turnpike Troubadours, and that, you know, as you get later on through the spring, it kind of thins out, but uh, it'll start yeah. it'll start filling up pretty soon. Ooh, Eli Young Band, Lee Bryce, uh, Billy Currington. That's it. That's. That, but that's all the White Water Rapids. I, I was reading the other day. I forgot what it is, but it seems like there's a couple of pretty good groups coming to White Water Rapids in New Braunfels. Yeah, I've never been there. Willie, he goes every year, but um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of willied out. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we we just hit a little over 45 minutes, so uh, I think this was a, a good bit of time. If you want to wrap it on up. That sounds like a winner to me. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, some of our adventures and going to a couple places and get some stuff set up. We really got to go to the Mad Pecker and maybe talk to them, and maybe one day I'll run by there and see if they'll let us sit up on a table and, and sample and talk about some of their stuff. Oh, I think they might. We'll, you know, maybe when we get a couple of dozen listeners, you know, they might they might let us do that. Yep. So, all right, everybody, we got to work. We got to right. work on our outro. I'm Chuck, and you all. I'm Lewis. I'm the, the better part of the two old forts. All right, the good looking one. All right, keep hamming it up, old man. <laughs> Ham it up. All right, love you, son. I right, love you too, Dad. All right, we're out.